Welcome to this episode of the New Renaissance Bookcast with me, David Lorimer, from the Scientific and Medical Network. In this episode, I'm going to be reviewing some books on health and healing, uh, beginning with Erica Elliott and her book, Medicine and Miracles. This vividly written account plunges the reader straight into the author's medical crisis on her first night duty at the Cuba Medical Center in northern New Mexico. A Navajo medicine man has been repeatedly run over and is dead on arrival. The conditions of work are appalling, and every previous medical director has had to leave, submerged by lack of support, sleep and overwork. Friends and relatives of the dead man are taken aback by her speaking the language as she compassionately explains the circumstances, then immediately has to deal with life-threatening seizures in a pregnant woman. It is already well past midnight, and work continues until it is daylight and beyond. Then go back 15 years to the autumn of 1971, when Erica arrives to teach a class consisting mainly of Navajo children. When she greets them, they look down and say nothing. Only later does she realise that this is because of deep shyness and that to avoid her gaze is a gesture of respect. This is her first lesson in one of the most impactful and transformative educational experiences in my life, she writes. We disrespectfully impose our world view on these people who have their own language, traditions and culture. So the first thing is to learn this very different language, not without its hazards, as a slight difference in intonation completely changes the meaning. Erica immerses herself in the culture and language, and it is not long before she is receiving invitations to visit her pupils and their families at the weekend. This is just the start. She spends the night in Canyon de Shelley, waking up in her sleeping bag to find that a mountain lion is sniffing her only inches from her face. She freezes in terror, but nothing happens and she wakes up again in broad daylight. Unwittingly, she'd done the right thing by not moving, and learns from an old woman that she was in fact really lucky that the lion came to her as a spirit guide to give her his courage, strength and intense focus, because I would need those for what lay ahead. She would face many obstacles, but if she lived through them, she would have a strong heart and powerful medicine to give to the people. She takes part in many sacred ceremonies, the first for the healing of a sick baby, but later she herself experiences the complete healing of a hard lymph node thought by a specialist to be potentially cancerous. This totally disappears during the ceremony, one of the experiences that, quote, blew my concept of reality to smithereens, unquote. She learns about the history and devastation in 1863 by the U.S. Army. She encounters magnificent wild horses and other subtle presences in the canyon. She also learns to share in a culture where individuality is subordinate to the community good. Some situations she describes are life-threatening. A drunken man smashes a window in her house, leaving shards of glass embedded in her skin. She reluctantly goes off with a friend and two men, only just escaping with her life while her friend is brutally beaten and raped. The friend is so terrified that she doesn't speak up to police for fear that she would be stalked and killed in revenge. She learns to weave rugs and arranges to spend the summer of 1973 herding 597 sheep belonging to the parents of her friend Marshall, 
This proves to be another initiation into the Navajo way of life, where she strikes up good relationships with his parents and a horse called Jimmy. All this is recorded in graphic daily bulletins written at the time. She marvels at the landscape, sits on Jimmy for hours, <clears throat> sometimes lying on his back to look at the shapes of the clouds and watch them drift by overhead while reflecting on her life purpose. She learns how the sheep are sheared and slaughtered. There are many illustrative black and white photos. And at the end of the summer, the family expects us to stay and probably to marry Marshall. It was a wrench to leave, but her life had to move on, even though she felt an overwhelming sense of grief and loss. Erica returns to home in New, New Hampshire, then volunteers for the next two years in the Peace Corps, where she's posted to a remote village in Ecuador. It turns out that her Navajo experience was essential to establishing an empathic connection with these people, and she finds herself unwittingly healing people and creating high expectations in this respect. Only later does she learn about the placebo in medical school. She revisits Red Rock. Jimmy whinnies when he spots her, nuzzling up against her chest. The book then comes full circle back to the medical center in Cuba, New Mexico, and two Navajo people offer her a special ceremony in gratitude for her work. She meets Tom Dwyer, and they have a son, Barrett. Finally, back to the present, where Erica's experience continues to live in the fiber of her soul and the depths of her heart. The book conveys a powerful message of indigenous wisdom and empathy, reminding us to go silently within and to walk with beauty and courage on the sacred earth. It is a riveting and illuminating read. The next book uh, by Maria Sagi and Istvan Sagi is called Healing with Information. Subtitled The New Homeopathy, this book work builds on the work of the Austrian scientist Eric Korbler, 1938 to 1984, with whom Maria Istvan studied and collaborated until his death 25 years ago. In 50 years' time, it will be retrospectively obvious that we are in the process of moving from a primarily biochemical and molecular approach to one based on information and energy, consistent with the principles of quantum physics. Here, the language is one of vibration, coherence, frequency, complexity, and resonance with information driving biochemical change. Living organisms try to maintain internal and external organic coherence as dissipative structures through which information is flowing. We are in constant interaction with our surroundings, and a vibrational view will, pr will prove important in relation to new frequencies we are exposing to ourselves to, for instance on the 5G network. The new view emphasizes the exchange of biochemical, electromagnetic, and quantum information. Patterns of information and energy sustain life functions within the human body, but these can be disrupted and in turn healed in this system using modalities including informed water. The authors postulate that this works through quantum electric dynamic mechanisms of water molecules in the body. Healing information corrects the flawed information causing disease and thus strengthens the immune system and activates self-healing processes that then lead to cure. Disease is seen as a solidified change pattern that is not coherent with life functions. The three main parts of the book cover principles and theories 
using the system in healing, and a selection of articles published since Korbler's death. The authors explain the role of information in living organisms and what happens when it breaks down. Then the scientific view of the new homeopathy in terms of electromagnetic waves, thermodynamics, chaotic attractors and coherence. These ideas are expanded in a chapter on conceptual foundations, with the cell as the receptor and reflex zones representing the whole body in microcosmic form. At this point, the new K-dowsing rod is introduced with experiments and reported findings. More on this below. One of the fascinating aspects of this approach is the use of geometric symbols as information in healing, including the equal armed cross, the Y, and the sine curve. There are extensive descriptions of using the system with detailed case histories, giving an insight into its workings. These also have a psychosomatic dimension, highlighting the role of information as positive thinking in the placebo effect. There are specific sections on the diagnosis and therapy of mycosis, food allergies and geopathic radiation. It is very clear that Korbler was way ahead of his time in terms of his insights and healing modalities. I ordered a Korbler dowsing rod after our meeting in Italy last autumn and followed the instructions on how to use it. It has a wooden handle at one end and a small ball at the other and is 64.5 centimetres long. It works as a receiving antenna for electromagnetic and other waves in the environment with the handle acting as an electric amplifier and the PVC stick providing the antenna effect. One pole is the body of the person holding the handle while the other is the wooden ball held close to the object under the examination. It shows, quote, subtle energy interactions between the tester and the tested material, revealing to what extent the information of the tested material is favourable or unfavourable for a tester's organism. An initial test establishes whether the tester is in the 85% category, where a positive effect is reflected in a horizontal oscillation. This was my case. I then tested an apple, and sure enough, the rod oscillated horizontally. This also works for photographs and books. I got a tremendously powerful horizontal oscillation when looking at a photograph of Peter Dunoff, and also when I held one of his books in books of lectures. A photograph of Voltaire produced a mild vertical oscillation, and there was a more powerful vertical oscillation in the region of my linky smart meter. My computer also produced a vertical oscillation, while a rose quartz crystal was powerfully horizontal, much more so than a piece of granite I found in Cornwall. An LP of Bach organ music produced a strong horizontal oscillation as well. Then I tried a suggested test where I held a glass of salt, which produced a vertical oscillation, but when I touched the Y symbol I'd drawn on a piece of paper. The oscillation was transformed into a horizontal one, as described in the book. Interesting. This gives a small indication of the power of these geometric symbols, which can also be drawn on the body at certain points. More generally, the rod can be used for testing foods. The book will be of particular interest to those already engaged in medicine and healing, although the general reader can also follow up on many of the suggestions, especially relating to the K-rod, as I've described it. 
It's an important stepping stone in the gradual evolution of informational and vibrational approaches to healing and medicine. My third book is called Choosing to Heal by Janet Edwards, published originally in 2007. Janet gave me a copy of this highly acclaimed book at our conference in June, even though it is 10 years old. It's a gripping and important read that takes the lid off cancer establishment while describing in detail Janet's own harrowing experience. Her own background is is as a performing musician, teacher and composer, and now a practitioner of NLP. The book is in four parts, relating her personal story, then moving on to the politics of cancer, understanding it as a systemic disease, and promoting a more holistic view of health. An important background to the whole situation is the 1939 Cancer Act that binds doctors by law to offer only surgery, chemotherapy and radiotherapy as standard treatment. There are corresponding laws in other countries and those offering alternative treatments are often hounded, have their businesses closed down and in extreme cases can be assassinated. This system goes hand in glove with the pharmaceutical industry and its dominance of medical system. Janet quotes the sale of chemotherapy drugs as increasing from $3 billion in 1989 to $13 billion in 1998, and sales of the top 10 cancer drugs in 2015 totaled more than $40 billion. The philosophy behind this is essentially mechanistic and impersonal, focused more on curing than healing, and failing to realize that health and disease are systemic and that the body needs support to carry out healing processes. Our bodies have become industrialized, and the patient is seen as a passive and hopefully compliant bearer of disease. The result is that many patients like Janet find themselves railroaded into precipitous treatment by the experts who genuinely think they're doing the right thing given their training and the legal restrictions. Janet first followed the orthodox route of mastectomy and chemotherapy only gradually finding out that the average effectiveness of chemotherapy is between 10 and 15%. It is in fact an indiscriminate all-out attack on the immune system, and there is tremendous pressure to conform. People have to show great courage, like Janet, in striking out on a different path and following their instincts and intuitions about how health and the body actually work. She goes to see Dr. Fritz Schellender, who was a network member, and he recommends a treatment in Germany by Dr. Waltraud Freider, which she immediately takes up. One of the most interesting aspects of her restorative work is the observation that many breast cancer patients have low adrenaline as a result of prolonged stress. The main components were diet and daily injections, with the underlying understanding of cancer as a systemic condition that has taken time to build up and will take time to heal. Janet describes the details from her journal, and perhaps the most important psychological point is her sense of empowerment, reflected in the book's title, Choosing to Heal. For those unfamiliar with the politics of cancer, this section will be a revelation, dealing as it does with mammography and radiation, tamoxifen and similar chemotherapy jobs, and quoting stories of a number of other women. Mammography is seen as seems pretty brutal and pre- painful procedure, which she describes, and in her case, 
It seems probable the mammogram played a role in the rapid appearance of her lump. Risks are played down, and some experts, like Michael Ball, have become outspoken critics. And it seems that between 10 and 30% breast carcinomas are in fact missed. Even more worryingly, a Canadian study found that death from breast cancer for women undergoing mammography was 36% higher than those who received only a physical examination. We know that chemotherapy drugs are by definition cytotoxic, and severe risks are involved in taking this route to a cure, and the WHO formally designated tamoxifen as a carcinogen. The medical establishment is steeped in a mechanistic view of the body and does not accept the effectiveness of treatments such as demonstrated by the Gerson therapy and other ecological and holistic approaches. This is the essence of the philosophical division between mechanistic and holistic approaches that understand the body and disease as systemic and best understood in process terms, including psychosomatic factors. Holistic approaches also stress lifestyle and prevention and are focused primarily on the promotion of health, while the orthodox system is embedded, embedded in extensive financial and political systems. One example was the lobbying by the American Medical Association against research into nutritional cancer therapies, which contributed to the defeat of a bill in the Senate. This kind of suppression, not only of research, but also of alternative treatments, is one of the greatest scandals of our time, and we need a revolution to put health first and financial and political interests second, particularly appropriate reflection in our own time of COVID. However, no one with the power with power ever gives it up willingly, so this will involve a sustained grassroots campaign, perhaps aided by the ever-increasing cost of drugs to the national health systems. The latter part of the book contains a great deal of good advice on health in general and cancer treatment in particular. Janet concludes that the health of the adrenal, hormonal, endocrine and immune systems is a golden key to unravelling this disease. And this includes the removal of stress and detrimental environmental factors that can promote the return of the disease. This is a passionate, well-informed and highly significant book, better read by women in particular while still healthy, but still essential for those coping with their own cancer. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this episode.